This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome once again to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. We just came back from our musical break, and we are about to talk about this article here entitled, When Dancing Isn't Fun Anymore, posted by Epiphany on KarenK.net. Two friends of mine just quit dancing. One quit because the rejection was too much. The other quit because she hated the scene. It wasn't supporting what she needed as a dancer, and she wasn't growing. Here are a few things I've done in this situation, and a few I need to do more of. Number one, you gotta train. Let's be honest, dancing is a lot more fun when you are in high demand, especially with good dancers. No one really wants to pay $15 to sit for three hours. You get to be in demand by being well-trained. I'm constantly amazed at how much detail goes into making someone a desirable dancer. If I want to dance with awesome dancers, I have to put in the same amount of work they did. And yep, the secret here is private lessons. Lots of them. Well, I'm certainly one who thinks that, you know, you can't just go... And take a lesson, and then you know the dance. You have to keep practicing that particular dance if you're going to really know it and excel at it. Um, And certain people are going to learn those dances faster. Uh, Some people are going... I mean, and it's going to vary, too, in each dance. I know I was shocked last night with uh, learning Iwana. Like, I don't know what it was about that particular dance or the particular steps or where my head was at last night, but I only needed just a few repetitions of each, like, you know, eight counts, and I pretty much had it. And yet, there was an easier one a couple days ago that we were working on. I don't remember which one it was right now. But, like, I could not get my right foot to go right. Like, no matter how many times, I'm like, seriously, what is going on here? Um, So certain dances even are going to have different aspects to them for the same individual. And it might not necessarily be the really, really complicated one is the harder one for you to learn. Sometimes it's the easiest steps that trip you up. But if you practice and you practice and you practice, like at a certain point, it just becomes muscle memory And then, you know, it's there. The other thing is to be aware that, you know, again, you've got to put in the work if you want to be a dancer. And it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two things I think of with the private lessons. You can see how finely tuned some people are in the dance world, like... Rachel and Roy and Madison and you know that they must have been doing this for years and years and years and we can learn the steps kind of of their dances technically because we're doing like you know the step to the right and then we do the swivel in swivel out so we're doing what it says but we're not doing it like them because our muscles haven't been conditioned for 20 30 years however long that they've been dancing um and that really just comes with time. 
I've said it probably on the podcast before. It's one of my favorite quotes of its kind. Uh, no one can do your push-ups for you. Like, you will get the results that you... Oh, or as my, uh, my Taekwondo instructor used to say, uh, you get out of it what you put into it. And they've probably gotten a lot of that from private lessons because they are very serious dancers. I know Rachel used to be a big-time competitor back in the day at, like, Worlds and uh, all over the all over the world. Uh, she would get herself up to competition level, and I'm sure she didn't just self-teach the entire time. Right. Yeah. Uh, however, even if you don't have access to these, like, amazing people who can show you flawless technique and form and how to place your feet in fifth position and third position and all those things. It is also a lot of work that you can choose to put in to learn a wide range of dances. And in a way, you and I have had private lessons of our own uh, because you know, like, if we're going over some new dance, it's often just you and myself in a classroom. If it's one that I've gone over before, then you're essentially getting a private lesson from me. And uh, if I am, I guess, taking a, a lesson from Vivian <laughs> on a YouTube channel uh, because, you know, there's something that's been on my list forever and I want to see, like, how it's done and broken down, she might as well be in the room with me. You know, she's, she's showing how to do the step and trying to interpret it to the best of her ability from the step sheet. Uh, it it's one of those things that you really have to do you have to decide you're actually going to do and not just something that you're able to do because anyone is able to cram however many dances into their brain and body in theory before they go out and try to dance those with their peers or who they want to to be their dance peers, but it's another kind of person who actually does it. Like, I think it's amazing how many dances Dustin knows. For being as young as he is, he somehow put in that amount of time to learn all those dances. Or Jessie. That's, like, ridiculous how well she knows so many dances that came out years and years ago. And granted, she gets a lot of practice from going to all the events she goes to. But she has put in that time. Not everybody does. Um, I feel really good about how well we've been doing leading up to Windy City this year compared to some of these same dances that have been on our list since last year or events earlier this year like Big Bang and Fun in the Sun might take those a little more casually and say, well, you know, if we get to them, that'd be great. And then we don't have like a schedule. We don't have a plan. When specifically are we supposed to learn these dances? That's, that's more of like how normal life happens. You just, you know, it happens when it happens. But when you want to like step it up a notch and you want to like actually show up with your, if not A game, then like, B-plus with a little gold star next to it game <laughs> to Windy City when all these amazing dancers are going to be there. It's not necessarily about like, oh, oh, I hope they look at me. I hope I get this attention from these these cool people. It's just feeling like you belong. And I, I remember in my first Vegas event, I did not... 
feel like I was quite there with everybody else because I knew so few circuit dances. I was coming out straight from country bars. And if there was something that happened to overlap, it was the vast exception. Um, right. And I wasn't even dressed like everybody else because I had boots on and, and all that stuff. Like, I, I, I wanted a, a greater sense of feeling like I was one of their dancers, just like I would go to a country bar. Like, the original intent of my spreadsheet uh, that I made of all the dances done at all the different country bars was I want to be able to show up on any dance floor and do their dances like I'm one of their people who shows up every week. Even if I'm coming once a year from four to seven to eight hours away, I want to know that I can jump in and get up to speed like anyone else because I did the homework at home. With these events that have been leading up to Windy City, I would say we've treated them slightly more casually, but this one, we're putting in that time. Number one, as it says on here, you got to train. You're going to do straight to the castle or you're not. You know, you're going to do poetry in motion or finally, I'm mad or um, any of these that you know we've seen and they don't jump out at you quite the same way like Have Fun Go Mad does, but like Geek in the Pink. I've seen that around the periphery for at least since my first Vegas. And now, once we review it several more times, you know we'll finally be able to actually do it. And that's a really good feeling to know that you came prepared, you put in the time, and you might not be... Literally, Rachel or Joe or Joey, <laughs> but at least you feel a little bit more like you can hang with them in the second row <laughs> and watch them in the front. Number two, take the lead. If dancing isn't fun because the skill level is low in your community, take the lead in getting people better trained. Host a practica where people share feedback. Have friends over to work on stuff. Invite a pro to your area to teach a workshop and host them if you can. If you are the most skilled person in the room and everyone else is struggling, build relations with those who show sincere interest in growing. Kindly offer some guidance and coaching for how to advance, i.e. point them to the best pro to work with. Sometimes people simply don't know what they are missing. The other option is to literally take the lead. Followers, you may love the challenge of learning to lead, and some guys love to follow. I was amazed at how cool it was to be on the other side. Learning the other rule, a role can infuse all new energy to a stale dance life. Megan. <laughs> Megan what? <laughs> Megan who uh, got so tired of the guys not asking everybody to dance at East Coast Swing that she learned how to lead? Is that, that, that what you're looking for? Yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to dance. They wanted to play poker, and the girls wanted to dance. So I said, fine, I'll go dance with the girls. Um, <laughs> no, going back to like the idea of if it's not fun anymore because of the skill level, one, I did not realize how many different line dance options I had in Sonoma County area. 
I didn't realize how many people taught line dance classes. I didn't know where to find them because there's it's so poorly marketed on like the internet and whatnot. It's uh, something we really should look into. But you know, we have Dolly's class Thursday or sorry Wednesday, sorry Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You have Brenda and Joan on. I believe it's Mondays and Fridays. Um, I know Ellen teaches. We just met Billy. She teaches. Anita has a class. Um, we now are very beneficial in that we work with Jeff, and we now help host, you know, at three different venues. And, I mean, there's so many options there. I just remember it's not that the skill level wasn't there. It's that... There was a lot going on in my life and I wasn't feeling challenged enough in the dancing aspect. And then you came along. And I was at the point where dancing wasn't as fun as it used to be. Like, I still loved it. It's dancing. It's it's still, you know, it was still a huge passion of mine, but it was getting harder and harder to push through the, I guess, lack of a better term, lack of variety. I wanted more. I wanted more, and I didn't know how to get it. And you were nice enough to invite me to go out to Stoney's and the grad, and I realized, look at all these dances I've never even seen, as opposed to at my local bar because I've been dancing at my local bar although the bar itself has changed um the dances I've been dancing for the past like four or five years easy and I loved them and I loved throwing variety into them but it was one of those where it's like you know trying to find a new way of doing a dance can be really challenging when you don't know that many steps because you're only limited to the same steps you've been exposed to. So then when I was exposed to other steps, everything had a whole new shiny light to it. Um, Everything that I had been doing for the past five years looked cool and potentially I could play with it as well as I have all these amazing dances that I get to learn as well as, you know, then being exposed to Vegas, that was insane for me. You getting back from Windy City last year and saying, here's a list of 100 plus dances we need to know in one month. And we broke it down kind of the same way we've been doing this last month. And we put them on the calendar. And yes, we've moved some around and pushed some to the lower priority to the back going, okay, if we can get to that one, great. But this is the one we want to do right now. Um, And I think we accomplished like 70 some odd dances, which is insane. And, you know, here we are again with, you know, anywhere from two to like seven dances a day that we've learned already. And we still have more. And it's nice having it on the calendar the way you've done it so that it's like, oh, Okay, this is what we this is the list of stuff we want to learn. It's on the calendar. Let's get it done. It's one of those where it's like, 
okay, it's on the calendar. I, I can't put it off any longer. Like, I really just need to get it done because there's so many on here that I'm like, really? Why did it take me as long as it did to learn Die a Happy Man? Like, it's one of those that's played at, like, every event. And yet it took me up until, you know, what, not even a week ago to learn it. So it's like, okay. So some of these have been on the list for a while. And for whatever reason or another, one jumped ahead of it. And so now that we're finally getting to the, you know, like, okay, this was on our list since such and such event. Let's get, let's get to it. Let's finally get to it. Let's stop pushing it off. And then you just feel better too. Just totally feel better having it done and that is where it helps because you just you specifically took the lead and planned everything out then there's the idea that there was a couple dances that I really wanted to learn that weren't as high on your priority and I had an hour to kill so I was like well instead of waiting for him to come around to it like some of these other dances that we've both been pushing off uh, why don't I just learn it now? And so it was one of those where it's like, I really like both these dances. And in that same day, after I learned them, you're like, well, is it easy enough for me to pick up real quick? And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. And you're out there and you learn it and, you know, however long it takes you to learn those particular dances. And now we both know them, which you might have continued to push off, off the list and, you know, have other priorities um, had I not learned them first. But... Because you're a good friend, you don't want me to have to dance alone. Yeah. <laughs> you're also good with mirroring for um, <laughs> making dances more interesting. Because in a way, that's sort of taking the lead and switching from the follower to, to leader role. I know that you do that with Men in Black, or MIB, I guess is technically as it's called. Uh, when everybody else is going forward, uh, you know, you're going back and then vice versa. And, uh, yeah, that's something that you can do to take charge of whether you enjoy a dance is can this be mirrored? Can this be made contra? Can this be made a partner dance? A lot of things you can do there. Also, uh, I, in the last few years, definitely came to really internalize the importance of beginners. That's how uh, Line Dance Club started, was that there are a lot of dances I wanted to do and nobody knew them. Nobody could do them with me. So we just sort of informally, uh, I mean, this was, I guess, back in 2012 was like the, the really bare genesis of, of club. Uh, one of the CSAs, Community Service Advisors at Sonoma State University, gave me an opportunity to teach these little one-day workshops, I think it was about once a month, maybe once every other month, um, in spring of 2012, and go over some line dances that were being done at, at the time, Kodiak, Jackson, Petaluma. And I thought that this would be a good way to get people on campus up to speed so that I could dance with them. And after that, I met a couple people in the fall of 2012, uh, Keith Anderson and Bailey Walkner. And we would do the same thing where we would just kind of informally go over dances being done locally. And 
eventually, Sonoma State Line Dance Club grew into more and more people who were learning these dances that interested us. And I still wasn't quite at the the understanding level of like why we really do need beginners because at the time I was really impatient for um, like the later part of the night at Kodiaks and Mavericks when you know the diehards would still be there and we could get those like sixty four count or not even sixty four count like what was difficult back then forty eight <laughs> I don't know maybe um, yeah with like no tags or restarts but just complicated steps. Uh, fast steps yeah like those those dances were the ones that i wanted to do and i felt like copperhead road cupid shuffle wobble these were all just such like a waste of time why do they bother like people should be willing to push themselves and learn harder dances but i had no idea what building a base was like because i didn't have to do it later when when the sonoma county scene started to die <laughs> after Kodiaks became Mavericks and Mavericks closed and all the other places tried to start a night and then weren't able to continue it you realize oh I can't do the intermediate dances I love if nobody knows how to do a grapevine right <laughs> so then you you start finding out what makes people become beginners at all what makes people want to learn and then what keeps them, what gives them a sense of confidence or fun. And eventually, I guess if you get to like, I, I wouldn't even call it enlightenment, but like just a sense of acceptance of beginnerdom for what it is, you don't even see it as a means to an end anymore. It's not like, oh, we just need to get through this part so we can do the real dances. No, like there are, there are so many beginner dances that are fun for themselves. You can have a really good time doing one wall swinging thing by Joe Thompson's Mansky and um, various dances out there that have K-steps and kicks in them. Like you can jazz those up and you don't need to go any farther than that. You can be in a beginner class for four or five years and never go to intermediate just because you have such a great time with accepting people in your beginner class that you've come to love. And then when other beginners come in, you are a seasoned vet that you can help with things that used to trouble you. And that base, that wide base that you create of beginners can then eventually, if they wish, push themselves to learn longer dances, dances with tags and restarts, and become the intermediates that you want to dance with for those dances that you like. And then all together, you can push yourselves as a unit toward speechless, you know, advanced pirouettes and crazy, I don't want to call them crazy, that's a bad habit to get into, but like really complicated movements that your body isn't used to, and you don't have to do it alone. But you, somebody, somebody has to be willing to help the non-dancers become beginners and then learn enough to get up from beginner to improver to intermediate to advanced dances. And if not you, then who? Number two, take the lead. Three, social dancing takes work. I'm an introvert. But when I show up at a dance, I work that room. I do my best to walk the room, greeting everyone I know. I may even introduce myself to people I don't know yet. 
Sometimes I'm just not in the mood for it and I'll hide in a corner, but it truly makes a difference when I do it. This also helps you stay in high demand because most people like to dance with their friends and those perceived, perceived as warm, open, and friendly. Community is a huge part of any partner dance, so do the work to become part of the community you are in. That was in italics. There is a reason it's called social dancing. We need to be social on and off the floor. Wow, so many people in the line dance community are exceptional at this. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard to believe because um, I consider myself to be a pretty balanced person when it comes to being introvert versus extrovert. Um, I have my moments. And a lot of times, if I'm not careful, I let the introvert side of me take over. And it happens a lot at social events. And I know as of late, um, I've been making it a point at pretty much any of the places that I have been uh, hosting because it's easier when you're the host. Um, it's easier when you're the instructor to have an excuse to go up to random strangers and say hello. At least I could, that's how I can justify it in my mind is if I'm, the, if I'm instructing that night, then I can go up to people, ask them you know, where they're from, how long they've been dancing. And you know because I'm the instructor, I have that behind me. There's a purpose, there's a reason for me to be approaching them just like you with the line dance podcast it's an excuse 100% excuse to back up what I want to do initially which is come and talk to somebody mm -hmm. and find out their story and I have been making it a point lately to really just go up to people and smile ask them how they're doing if they're having fun for the night was there any song they wanted to hear how long have they been dancing? And I've noticed such a difference in people and how they respond and what happens to the energy in the room just by me doing this. And I don't do it in a way of like, okay, I have 15 minutes, time to make a lap. You know, it's not scheduled or anything like that. It's the, oh, I'm on my way to water. Well, I'm over here, I might as well talk to somebody, you know, kind of thing. Or I've had people stop me, which makes it a whole lot easier, and then I talk to them. But I try and make at least a few times around to talk to people, find out what's going on with them, if they're enjoying it. And I know that people just really enjoy the idea of being included, especially when it's their first time out. And that is actually, ironically, I guess who I end up talking to the most is the first timers. Like for whatever reason, that's the first, that's the group of people I pick to talk to first is the first timers. And like, they tell me how, you know, they've never been line dancing before, but this looks like so much fun. And they love how we do all of these great lessons and we switch it up. Uh, Mrs. Most specifically happens, um, hot monk, but, because we both teach there and they love how there's multiple teachers going on so they feel like they're getting 
so much out of it because one, they're getting multiple lessons. Two, they're getting multiple different teaching styles, which I know for me has really helped me as a dancer learning how different people explain different movements. Um, Obviously, I have a preference at this point since I've taken so many lessons, but I love the idea that, for instance, uh, Windy City coming up, I have not taken a lesson from Scott yet. I have every intention of taking a lesson from Scott at Windy City, permitted if I'm volunteering, if my schedule allows for it. Um, There's one in particular that I'm really looking forward to seeing and getting the lesson from, and I'm really, really excited about it that it gets to be from Scott. I know that having that different energy has really helped me as a dancer as well as as an instructor. I love playing on the floor. I think it's so much fun when you can interact with people and interact with complete strangers. Like, you're allowed to do that in line dance. That's the really cool part where it's, you know, at my experiences with the lack of better term club dancing, you know, strangers are scary at club dancing. You don't know what they're there for. You have no clue. You have no idea if you can trust them. You have no idea, like, so you have all these questions, like, you know, are they going to be weird? Are they going to be nice? Are they drunk? Are they single? Are they taken? Are they one of those that's just like, just leave me alone? I'm out to have fun with my friends. I don't want to talk to anybody. That is not what you get with line dancers. I was going to say line dancers are less likely to touch your butt. And then I realized that's a lie. It just depends on who it is. Love you, Jono. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's true. They are less likely to. There's just those few few exceptions, and you know they form some very interesting friendships. Um, but that's exactly it. It's it's you feel safe when you go line dancing, or at least I do. I I've it's never been one of those scenes. Even when I was 18, going to Kodiak Jacks, like I never felt like something could happen. It was always, I'm here to have fun. Everybody else is here to have fun. This is great. Oh, look, there's a person. I'm going to go talk to him. And you can talk about the small stuff. You can talk about the big stuff. It didn't really matter. They were always friendly. They were always enjoyable. And nine times out of ten, you just had a great new friend. I was thinking about it just yesterday. In the last week, I've talked to a friend in Oregon, a friend in Colorado, a friend in Denmark, a friend in Australia. I'm like, you know, this is what line dancing has brought to my life. This is kind of fantastic. Oh, you said, you said Oregon, Florida, Denmark, Australia. Was was Florida? Did you mention Florida? I forget. Have I talked to someone in Florida? It's possible. I I assumed you probably had. I don't know. Maybe, I might have. Maybe via online, but like actual specifically text messages mm. in the last like week, mm. it's been primarily those places. But. Yeah, it's, just, it's insane to think that, you know, you're having a conversation with someone where it's Sunday where you're at, but Monday where they're at, or vice versa in their case, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what the social dancing has provided. But 
it does take work. You have to think about it. You have to not close yourself off in your one little teeny tiny spot and never move from there. You have to be willing to have conversations with people. Also, some, I guess, light work, if you want to consider it that, um, that social interactions can require is not just thinking with the focus on yourself, okay, well, you know, the last time I talked to them, this was going on in my life, so like, I'll, I'll have to remember to tell them this and this and this story to give them the full update, and um, that, that'll that seem interesting to them. Like, Remember what's going on in their life. <laughs> Ask yeah. them about their pets and you know the, whatever hurricane may have gone through their state or uh, whatever protests, I mean, if you maybe we'll probably want to talk less about that, uh, you know what what's relevant to them right now? What are they feeling really charged up about? What songs are on their radar to make dances for? What events are they putting on for the first time? Remember those things about them. And then when you're meeting a new person, make those mental notes. If you have to, make physical notes. I know it helps me. Like just after leaving talking with somebody, I might write down in the margins of whatever page I'm working with, met so and so and might help if you put bullet points below that from such and such place um, instructor or DJ or something and then uh, maybe like who introduced you little things like that things that were highlights of the conversation that you would want to follow up on later and for people that this doesn't come naturally um, to do that with grammar uh, for for people who who find this difficult, it can be practiced. If you know what you're looking for, uh, if you know what kind of conversation you want to have, or what kind of relationship you want to have with the person, it's possible to think about some of these things in advance. And it can be easy to get distracted and just have the conversation and then do another thing and then be like, who was that? Why did we talk? Oh gosh, am I going to see them again? Like, is this going to be awkward? Like, go into these interactions at these events or at socials or whatever with the intention of remembering who this important person is and treat everybody, honestly. Like, they're, they're all important. You're important, so treat them like they're important. Like, we're all in this, this community together. doesn't matter what their role is or anything like that. Uh, remember... What it, what, what it was that you guys talked about or what you were more interested in following up on later. And if you could do that with everybody, especially if you remember their name, then you will have that comfort in walking up to them anytime. It could be another event six months later. And if you can remember enough to say, hey, Susan, been a while. Good to see you. How's such and such thing? You can have a 45-minute conversation over dinner just having remembered that little bit at the beginning. But if you don't do the work of remembering just the two things, like their name and something about them, then you could be missing out on a great dinner and who knows, maybe just like a little five-minute conversation that really lights up the rest of your evening. A little bit of work goes a long way in this social world. Yes. Number four, drop the expectations. If you aren't having fun anymore, take a moment to really consider why. How many of those reasons are due to unmet expectations? Just showing up doesn't guarantee you dances. The best dancers may never notice you or seek you out. 
Life is a lot easier when you drop the expectations and find a way to make the best of whatever you find yourself in. No good dancers? Use it as an opportunity to be social and build relationships. Feeling overlooked? Work on your solo dancing or study other dancers. Learn to embrace whatever is happening and make something good out of it. Oh, expectations. They ruin us. They, they, they really do. Um, I think a perfect example of that would be, you know, over here we fit a role. We fit a character. We have a placement. And when we go across the United States to other events you might not have that same role. And to expect that you're going to fit that same role, as we have discovered, is not necessarily the best way to start off your little dance endeavor. <laughs> um, and it's true. You know, we were I think we were talking about this recently, about the new idea of how Windy City is going to uh, structure the playlist for social dancing. The nice thing about it is now you know what to expect. You know what dances are going to be played. And so it gives you a very logical point in which you can be like, oh, okay, so I know this dance, that dance, this dance, and that dance, but I don't know these other like three that are happening in this hour. Do I want to learn them? Do they interest me? You know what? No, cool. I'll just use them as a break. I'll go, you know, get something to eat or I'll go talk to somebody during that time. Cool. But you have a very set black and white expectation of how the night is going to be structured so that you can then make a plan to go from there. This actually relates to the article that we discussed recently about presence and how being present can give you additional points in your charismatic category. And you're not living in a rush, like you're on the way to the next thing that's going to happen, or you're only, sorry, I, I can't talk right now, I really need to be sure that I get this dance so I can do it during open social dancing because my expectation is that if I do it, I'm going to have a really good time and I need to do that, so I gotta focus. Sorry, we can't talk. That doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> That's an interaction that sounds um, stressed. If you take things as they come, maybe have a general plan, um, know overall what you want to get out of it and for most people the answer is going to be fun and you keep that in mind but you just roll with the specifics then it's like going down a river with white water white water rafting for people who don't live among uh, rivers is when you have a river with a lot of rocks and choppy water twists and turns that you have to navigate in your raft or kayak or whatever you're using. Overall, you get the sense that you want to end up at point A upstream and head toward point B downstream, 
and you know kind of what's going to be along the way. If you have a guide, they'll say, yeah, this part, this is bouncing rock, and you know they call it that because you're going to bounce really high when you hit the bottom of this dip. And then this part's called meat grinder, and that's because there are a lot of really shallow rocks, and it's going to be more of like a sustained, bumpy feeling. So here are some things that we're going to try to do when we get there, but ultimately we're really just going to have to take it as it comes. That's a good way to go into your dance ventures, like, say, a workshop or a lesson. If you think you're going to be teaching some beginner dance because you've been getting a lot of beginner dancers showing up, and then all of a sudden none of them show up, and oh, look, it's like five intermediate people who, uh, who you didn't know were all going to be there at the same time. You can stress out and be like, okay, guys, sorry, this is the only thing I prepared. Uh, it's really beginner. I'm, we can do open, open dance after that, but let's just do this. I know it's going to be really quick and boring for you guys, but you know, whatever. Um, again, sorry, we'll do, we'll do something more interesting for you later. You could do that, or you could say, oh, wow, okay, well, in order for everyone to have the best time, because the overall objective is you know, fun and uh, us being all together, if the beginner dance isn't something that would interest them, let's just do a bunch of dances they know. Or while they do dances they know for 15, 20 minutes, I'll prepare another lesson. Or if you're really good, you can prepare for all levels of possible lesson before you even show up and uh, then really take it as it comes. And uh, I think Megan might have some thoughts on that. Yeah, that's what I did last night. I had a beginner, an improver, and an intermediate dance prepared depending on who all showed up. It really works when you're prepared before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's expectation and then there's like preparation. <laughs> so you can you can have a, a thought that this is how things are gonna go. Like for example, when we were at the beginner workshop on the twenty fourth, just a few days ago, and the speaker was set up and we were gonna use the wireless mic, we figured everything was gonna go according to plan. And you know, even if the wireless didn't work out, and we we've We've taught lessons in that space before without a mic, and it's been fine. We've never taught to like 50 people before, and I think for some of the more soft-spoken instructors, not having a mic would have been miserable, and they would have been screaming just to get to the back corners of uh, everybody who was in that room. That's when, even though our tentative expectation was things were going to go according to plan, the preparation was bring a backup mic powered by battery, yep. which worked. And all of us were able to use it for four hours. Uh, there were no problems. Things went smoothly and fun was had. Uh, nobody had to apologize or stick to, like, quote, the original plan based on old, outdated expectations. Uh, we just kind of rolled with it. We were present. We were using uh, what we had, both for that and, you know, you with club last night, uh, to the best of your ability to make it the best experience that, that could be had. You never know when you host an event who's going to show up or how many because people can pre-register and then a hurricane hits or something. You might uh, think that an instructor is going to be there, but they live in a place where they are legally, like maybe because of evacuation points or whatever, closures of airports, they're not able to go. They just can't. Or maybe somebody has health reasons why they can't go to an event that they had planned to be at you know, two years prior. And you need to know how to deal with that. Uh, expectations are fine as long as you're not absolutely married to them. 
because it is nice to have pre-registrations and have a general sense of how things are going to go. Otherwise, you're flying by the seat of your pants and <laughs> you're trying to do improv performances when, you know, if you knew how much time you had, you could schedule this or that, you know, rehearsal for the performance. My mind is going through so many different scenarios that we have experienced where things didn't go as planned and it's through like the skilled um, response of experienced people that everybody was still able to have their ultimate objective of fun met. Drop expectations, number four. Number five, go solo. If you dread working the room, or just want to have fun, or simply don't want to depend on others to make your night fulfilling, try a dance you can do solo. Blues, ecstatic dance, belly dancing, tribal fusion, hip-hop, African dance, pole dancing, aerial silks. There are tons of options that put you in full command of your experience. They missed line dancing. <laughs> How dare they? Rude. Um... This makes me think, oops, sorry. This makes me think, um, one, for instance, you'll be going to Detroit without me, sadly, very sadly. I am very regretful that I could not arrange the time off. Uh, but also, just taking lessons by ourselves. I know, one, we've, we've learned dances by ourselves. We've also done separate lessons. I took Fred's Crash while you took Dustin's Chase That Dollar. And then we learned the opposite later. You know, it's the great thing about line dancing is although you're solo, you're never alone. And that's probably one of the best things about it is that you don't have to have a dance partner per se because everyone on the floor is your partner mm -hmm. there have been times when I've been at say airports on the way to some place or on a plane on the way to some place and I wish that I had brought a book because before I go to an event I'll think oh, I'll be so wrapped up in dance things that I won't have any time to read or, or divert myself in other ways and then I get to the airport and I wish that I had something besides like my phone to because then it just makes me like a cliche of a, a waiting person is you know looking down at my screen then instead I can be the cliche of the person who reads at, at an airport but uh, it's definitely something to do I have learned though that is accurate when I go to an event I don't do non-dance things typically I go solo and I find some other dance related thing to do like I go find an interview subject or I'll just have a casual cup of yogurt with somebody who's out in the hallway uh, or I'll peek in on like if they're like the lobby if there are no classes going on no workshops in Vegas I want to take I'll see what's going on in the lobby and just amuse myself like I did that in oh, I was gonna say I did that in 2015 but honestly I've done that for so long um, pretty much until you showed up uh, at different dance functions whether it was me on a road trip and I didn't know people yet I would either meet them or I would brush up on some local dance before they played it that night there's always something dance related you can do at these dance events or socials or just country bar nights uh, you don't have to go to the screen and you don't have to go to the book um, just get creative 
and find something that you can work on on your own uh, until you find something you can do with other people. Number six, take a break. I do this all the time. Sometimes it's not fun right now. Walk away for a few weeks and you'll likely come back feeling rejuvenated. You may realize that what you really need is to try a different style of dance. Your body may simply be worn out. I burn out on dances all the time and rotate through several of them based on my mood. You may realize that you have some personal, personal issues to work through. Rejection, insecurity, lack of confidence. If so, address it so it stops haunting you. Whatever it is, give yourself a break to rest, heal, and reset. And it always feels good when you reappear and people are excited to see you back again. When it just isn't fun anymore, all you need to do is something different. The scene you are in may never change, but you can. And that is what changes a scene. This article is titled, When Dancing Isn't Fun Anymore, posted by Epiphany on KarenK.net. So that last point again was, take a break. It certainly is important to take a break um, for several reasons. I mean, I know that there was a couple times in which, for instance, just learning a dance was so frustrating that I needed to give myself 10 or 15 minutes um, to, like, breathe and not do that. But there's also been the more frustrating moments where I literally was like, I, I've tried everything I know. I am not listening to this song. I am not dancing for three days. Three days. I'm not allowed to do anything dance related, which was a whole lot easier uh, several months back. Not quite so much with my schedule now, considering I pretty much dance every single day of my life. Did we mention the specific number? Because I, I did a quick count. It was, I believe it was about, if we count work from home as being one dance and not the two separate dances that we learned because we did D on its own, I think it was 53 dances in the last two weeks and two days. So like 16 days, something like that. 53 dances. Either reviewed uh, for getting them back, which we had forgotten, or brand new teaches. That's what your life's been lately. Wow. <laughs> To be fair, I didn't learn all of those numbers because some of them were just you. True. Some of them I did already know, but then I learned others so that I could teach them. <laughs> so it's probably pretty close to that number anyways. Mm -hmm. Just maybe not the same title dances. Mm -hmm. um, that's insane. In two weeks, really? Wow. doesn't feel like that. That was like, wasn't it just last night we were saying how just last Monday... We had learned backstreet attitude and how it felt like it was a month ago at this point. Mm. Yeah, there was there was one day going back to the seventeenth. the The current day is the twenty eighth of September. On the seventeenth, we learned one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dances, and then the next day we didn't do any. And then the next day we did five, and the next day we did five, and then for two days we didn't do any, and then we did eight, and so on. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, just a few. One or two here and there, I guess. Um, review day is going to be a pain. <laughs> review day is going to be a major pain. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, taking a break is important. Giving your time, yourself 
time to rest. I know that I was forced to take a month off when I injured myself. That was miserable, but also very educational. Uh, we started several different projects during that time uh, to keep ourselves occupied and busy and still learning. Um, and that's certainly it. That, But I wanted to comment on, he says how uh, you really need to try a different style of dance. That's another amazing thing about line dance. We have so many different styles in our one umbrella term of line dance. Imprinting also uh, comes to mind. When it says you have personal issues to work through, address it so it stops haunting you. If you are not feeling the thing that you're trying to learn because you have other stuff distracting you, and there's definitely something to be said for you know, discipline and how you know, doing the work when it's not fun is like the mark of uh, discipline, blah, 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 blah. With dance, again, overall objective, you should be enjoying yourself. This is a celebration of life. Um, if you're going to learn it and have a terrible time and then every time you do the dance, you'll remember that terrible time, you're better off not learning it. Even if it's right before the event and you just don't get to dance it at the event because... You didn't learn it in time. Well, you know, that's all right. Because when you do learn it for the next event, you will enjoy it. And for all subsequent events, you will continue to enjoy it. Uh, but imprinting on that negative first experience makes it worth taking a break. There is a dance that we started. We did part A of it, and we still haven't come back to it. Because the night that we tried to learn it, it just didn't all come together. So we might come back to it at some point, but um, that isn't necessarily guaranteed depending on how we feel then. Again, uh, as we mentioned earlier, be present and check in to see how you feel then, uh, and that will inform you more about whether you need to learn it than what your expectation is for when you think you'll be dancing it later. If you think it's so important for me to learn it right now so that I can do it later, uh, it might not be worth it when you actually do it. And make sure you get plenty of sleep, you stretch, and you eat. <laughs> Those all will go into the not having fun. It's amazing what kind of a difference a little bit of food and rest will do for your, your body. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Stretch, stretch when you can. Um, sleep and hydration, it turns out, as we've learned in previous articles, uh, are crucial for not tearing your muscles. Yeah. <laughs> Megan agrees. Oh, and I guess it is that time for us to take a break as uh, we are about a minute over time. We just got so into our discussion of when dancing isn't fun anymore. This has been Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barcelia. And until next time, we will see, see you, you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.